Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by contributions from listeners like you. Literally at ElwoodCityLimits.Libson.com. Thank you. Cha-ching, cha-ching, baby. Yo, my name is Lucas and I'm here to say we're here to talk about Arthur today. This is my rap. This is my rhyme. I'm talking to Will for a period of time. We got some episodes here to look into. So if you want to listen, it's up to you. That's the rest of my song. I hope that it wasn't very long. Whoa. I didn't see that coming, kids. That took me by surprise, as I'm sure it did for you too. Wow! I, d- I didn't realize. Uh, I didn't realize we had. Uh, why was the first rapper I thought of Bun B? ECL exclusive. Like I didn't. Re- I didn't realize we had all of Brockhampton as guest stars <laughs> on this week's episode. Wow. Uh, well, the guy spitting hot fire, that's Lucas Mancini. It's lit! And my name's Will Young. Welcome to this, uh, I'd say, very anticipated episode of Elwood City Limits. We've been, we've been letting you think about it, letting you stew on it for, uh, for a little while, and I'm glad that you guys are very patient with us. Uh, you'll just have to be a little bit more patient. We are almost to one of the most anticipated episodes in our run so far, uh, and I, I gotta say, my notes for this look very interesting they look they look <laughs> they look normal for the first half of the episode and then we get to the second half and it's unlike they've ever been before i'll just say that for for our american fans out there there was a canadian television series called video on trial uh and basically we're going to be doing the audio version of that yeah i mean i unfortunately i don't know if we'll be able to 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 sync it up maybe but uh, no 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 don't expect the the snappy editing of video on trial but maybe the same uh the same spirit as that show absolutely this is i'll I'll tell you i'll tell you what i i know that we have a, a variety of listeners out there some i'm sure watch the episodes along with us and some maybe don't uh kind of rely on our descriptions i really gotta say if you haven't watched this episode specifically uh, the second half that we're talking about, you need to go back and see it for yourself. You need to go back and hear what's going on. You, you need the full sensory experience and then come back it's and true. listen to just, us. Just the audio does not do it justice because there's some specific moments in here that uh, I was definitely – I had some questions. I was – it's interesting. <laughs> All right, well, I don't want to waste too much more time, and we're not, because before we get into the episode, we've got a couple of people who sent us in some emails, and uh, that's over at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. This first one is from uh, Erzcat, who has uh, emailed us before, and they wanted to talk about uh, our last episode, which was Attack of the Turbo Tibbles. Uh... Erzcat says, hi, ECL. In episode 60, 
our episode 60. You mentioned the moral dissonance of the Turbo Tibbles episode. Even though DW did the right thing of telling the Tibbles no, it didn't work out for her. They go, she still got murdered. For most of my pre-college schooling years, K-12, to I've gone to school with some unique individuals. I can't remember if they didn't know what they were doing or if they were actively trying to hurt me, but interactions with my peers made me feel as though I was being bullied. Whenever shows, teachers, or other peers try to say that the attitude of people like me can prevent bullying, it feels clueless at best and victim-blamey at worst. I know there are many situations where just saying no works, and we do know that the Tibbles really do care about how DW feels. But the fact that the fact that it takes more than a firm no to change the situation makes me feel better about my own situation. As much as the simplistic everyone should just be nice always annoys me, a more gritty view only depresses me. The middle ground that's in the Turbo Tibbles made me feel good because even though DW did her best, she still got hurt like me. But in the end, she gets to be with peers who actually care. Sometimes, even when people care about how you feel, they can get carried away and assume you're just playing along. Consent is an ongoing conversation we need to have with everyone. Agreed. The fact that you think DW saying no should have been the moral of the story makes me wonder what your experience with bullying or unintentional cruelty between children is. Uh, and, of course, it's a very personal question, as they say, and if you don't want to get into it, they are curious. I do want to thank you, Urs, for the email. I know it's a bit of a... Oh, my goodness, yes, very well spoken. It's a bit of a heady question, I I, I know. Uh, I do want to... Uh, point out the fact that I think this is a, a very good and good natured as well criticism of kind of, uh, mostly mostly I think what I kind what I kind of put forth uh, but Lucas I'd kind of like to hear your thoughts on this before I go into what I have to say I want to thank them for such a well-written um, basically criticism uh, uh, and what they liked about the episode it's a perspective that we necessarily didn't really have to bring to the episode so that insight is invaluable mm. um sorry so uh, what was the, what was so, the question again so, like so I, I guess kind of any experiences that we've had with bullying in the in, in the oh past. no I, I i really i don't have um uh i don't have much personal experience in this era area to draw from i i, I don't really have any uh, personal experiences with bullying per se. Probably that might be a contributing factor to why I didn't really have this perspective when it came mm -hmm. to uh, this particular plot line. Right. How about yourself, Will? Okay, so first of all, uh, I, j I want to note that I think Urz is correct. Uh, the idea that I had in the previous episode, if you haven't listened to it, is that, you know, um, that Arthur was giving good advice to DW and telling the Tibbles no, and instead, as you mentioned, Lucas, she got murked for it. <laughs> but I think what Urza is saying is true that it that these days it kind of takes a bit more than just saying no. It's a good start, but I mean it can only it can only go so far. At least if I'm understanding you correctly, Urz. And I say that as somebody who not only was bullied, but and you know I take no pride in saying this. I was a bully for a for a short period of my life, but. I kind of have to to reconcile with that. It was when I was in junior high, which I I don't know what, uh yeah I guess middle school I guess would be the American way of saying it. Um, yeah I don't want to I don't want to go into it too much, and you know I'm I'm I again I'm sorry to say it, but I kind of went from being bullied in elementary school to being a bully in junior high, and I, I do have the perspective that Urs mentions and. I think that they're absolute. I think that they're right. Um, I appreciated the uh, the line in there about consent as well. Basically, 
Uh, it's hard to kind of wrap this up into into a cohesive shell at this point, but I, I want to. I'm grateful for the email, and I think that they're right. The um, there was more that could have been done, and especially to the mind of a bully, it's not that simple. Saying no is only the, is only the start, and it can't be the end either. So, I think I was a little quick to to kind of champion that as the uh, as the as the solution. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not the most fun thing to talk about, so sorry for getting serious on you guys there, and uh, I certainly hope that I, I th- that doesn't disappoint anyone. I, I don't look back on my time in junior high very fondly, and it's not it's not something I'm particularly proud of. All right, so we move on to our second email here, which is from a new listener. Uh, it's from Matthew, who uh, recently found our podcast. Appreciates the uh, the detail we put into it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Matthew is a huge fan of Arthur. He says, I've seen each episode. I probably know way too much about the Arthur universe. I tend to prefer episodes that focus on Arthur's family, episodes that took place at school, and the ensemble episodes. He's really looking forward to when we talk about the episodes Hide and the Snake, The Blizzard, April 9th, Desk Wars, Sue Ellen gets her goose cooked and the best of the nest. I know exactly like I know I forgot about the best of the nest. That's I'm really looking forward to those two because I'm looking to see how those age. I know exactly which ones you're talking about, Matthew. And uh that's gonna be that's gonna be something. Yeah, go on. Also, Matthew's got great taste, because I just gotta say, and I, I think ECL listeners have uh, heard me say this before, but I, we haven't rewatched it yet, so this might change. But up until now, the blizzard has been my all-time favorite Arthur episode. I remember that. So I'm I'm also excited to return to that as well. Big time. Uh, okay, Matthew continues. As you've been going through season three, I've realized that part of the season I really enjoy. Part of the, sorry, part of the reason I really enjoy this season is because many of the episodes have a strong, memorable, strong central theme. That's very memorable or unique. Usually you know it's a good episode when you can say something like the potato chip episode or the library card song episode, Woogles, Binky, etc. I think a single concept like these (laughs) helps. Woogles, Binky, etc. Put that on a t-shirt. Like John, uh, Ringo, (laughs) Woogles, Binky, etc. I think a single concept like these help make an episode memorable. Uh, speaking of the episode we're talking about, Matthew finds it slightly overrated, yet it's still one of his favorites. I think everyone remembers this one to some degree. Last week, we asked about, we had asked a question about DW's allowance. Uh, well, in season six's episode more, DW gets her first allowance of 75 cents a week. Okay, for a second, I thought they were going to say $75, and I was about to have a mini heart attack. No, not in 1998. Not any time! <laughs> Very true. Finally, similar to DW, I'm also a bit of a picky eater, but I have to agree with Lucas and give a big yes to maple syrup and bacon. Ah, uh, see? He's got a good head on his shoulders. Somebody's on your side, pal. All right, well, to Erzcat uh, and to Matthew, thank you both for your emails. We also got a very lovely post on our Facebook page from new listener Connor, who is currently going through the back catalog and is a fellow fan of the podcast We Hate Movies. So, Connor, hello, and thank you for listening and for your lovely words. And those emails were sent to Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. 
Okay, so let's start to get into let's, this episode here. Let's get through double tibble trouble on the double. On the double. Because let's be honest, folks, this isn't the one you came to hear. We're still going to talk about it, but uh, we're saving dessert for last. Yeah, for real. Like So get, get nice and hungry because we're going <laughs> to feast tonight. That's right. This episode starts with double tibble trouble. It's interesting to get a tibble episode right after a tibble episode. And DW and Emily are the focuses of this one. Emily getting a bit more screen time. They start out the episode, they're like preparing for battle. They're like survivor prepping for the Tibbles. Uh, what I wrote about this intro is that there's like three back-to-back music stings that are all completely different, and they're hilarious. Like there's this like goofy Banjo-Kazooie sounding song when DW's getting ready, then it gets into this like commando montage music as they're storming towards the Tipples house, and then when they finally reach the Tipples house, there's like an on like an ominous tune that plays that uh, the show has played a lot before, and all this music is really what makes the intro. And yeah, it's ta- they're taking it's very deadly serious. This playtime with the Tibbles, they've got like their. This is like um, I've recently started playing Fortnite, so I feel like they, I feel like they bought the battle pass and then like got <laughs> all of the, got all of the stuff that you would have to have to pay money for because they've got like bike helmets, uh, you know, clothes that they could get dirty in, knee pads, elbow pads. It's pretty funny. And they stole a, a Digimon protagonist's goggles. Yeah, man, boy, I was obsessed with Digimon when I was a kid. And uh, fun fact, I actually, uh, I think I spent about a week or two wearing a pair of swim goggles on my head because I couldn't find the like mountain style goggles. goggles. Yeah, I had the, like the sw- I had the swim goggles that had like the holographic shark in them or the oh holographic my snake God. eyes. I thought those go- I thought those goggles were the coolest. I guess it could always be worse, Will. You could be coming to school with steampunk goggles on. Yeah, that's a like the, I, that was a like, little outside my price range when I was that age. Uh, like Becky Lynch. Yeah, uh, they both get to the front door of the Tibbles, and DW's mom goes, "Have fun, girls," and they both go, "Right," <laughs> like it's mission briefing. And then and then they open the door, and then they're immediately like bombarded with a gust of wind that is the Tibbles yelling at them, which I thought was pretty funny. Like just, just, just the the treatment of the Tibbles is almost like you know Bane locked in the depths of Arkham Asylum is pretty funny to me. Just these untamed animals that they have to survive rather than interact with. Um, no, and they do a great job. Like I said, it reminds me of that montage from Commando where Arnold's like sort of suiting up, putting the knife in his sock, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> You're right. So they. They uh, they want to play this board game. I think that this is where Tower of Cows is introduced. Yeah, um, which I wrote down. Uh, I wonder how you play Tower of Cows. I recently played a kind of a similar board game. Uh, I've been getting back into board games lately. I played, mm-hmm. oh, what's it called? Junk Art, which is essentially, um, it's like Tower of Cows, Except it's it's like Tower of Cows mixed with Mario Party because you have all these different places and you have all these different weird shapes you stack on one another. Uh, but each place you go to has a different rule set. So for instance, Tokyo is just you know stack 
the highest tower you can without any pieces falling off. And then there's another rule set where it's like, okay, you get to put on one piece and then you guys rotate chairs and the next person gets to put a piece on the tower you started. Uh, anyway, it's really fun and it makes Tower of Cows seem like kind of fun if you play it by the rules, which the Tibbles do not. Certainly not. In fact, they don't even play it at first. They immediately uh, reject it in favor of Airplane, which, which kind of gobsmacks DW and Emily. They're just looking at the Tibbles running around as planes and they're just like separate shots of them just, just mouths agape at what they're looking at. A uh, great line from one of the Tibbles where they go, I'm going to crash into those gasoline tanks. And then he sort of says to an aside, that's you. Right, and then he kind of crashes into both of them. Because, I mean, the, t- the Tibbles go hard in the paint, man. They play for keep. They play for keeps. We see like Tower of Cows is kind of like a stacking board game of some type, and uh, they both moo so the Tibbles moo so loudly that they uh, that they knock over the tower. Uh, be- so what's meant to be set up here is that between the Tibbles, it's said that Tommy is the better one, I guess, and Timmy is the one that instigates all of their shenanigans, which. Yeah, I, I wrote down this is like the most characterization the Tibbles have ever gotten besides pure chaotic neutral. Like, um, the fact that like we now know that one Tim- Tibble is a, a bad influence over the other is like deep Tibbles lore that we have yet to hear. But I just kind of wonder, like, I'm, I, I know I, the fact that there was no indication before, I guess, is one thing. But I don't know if there if that's like carried over. It feels like this is just something that. They kind of made for this episode of just like, oh, we need to get this story across. So uh, Timmy's the bad one. Uh, that's probably the case, but I think- allow me to play devil's advocate here. Right. Is there another episode where we see the Tibbles separated again? We might never know if it's carried on because they're never separated again because they're always instigating one another. I guess from this moment forth, we'll have to we'll have to keep track. We'll have to pay special attention. Uh, By the way, before yeah. we move on, I just got to say, the Tibbles say the word explode like their Homestar Runner. Explode, yeah. Your your, <laughs> yes. your head explode. It's like they're going to have a nice tall glass of melonade. Your head explode. Yeah, exactly. Um, DW that night says as much to like one of her dolls. She's like, I I would I wish I could play with Tommy without Timmy being around. In fact, she wishes on like a red star. Uh, this joke is straight out of the Simpsons. Like, this is, like, such a Simpsons joke, the way it's, like, played out. It, yeah, it's, uh... I, I almost had one in my head that was very similar, of, like, something looking like something, and then it just being something else. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, that's a good point. And then it just turns out it's the light, the searchlight of a helicopter. DW just goes, oh, I wished on a helicopter. <laughs> So the next day at school, they actually see that uh, Tommy is by himself and Timmy is at home. Uh, and Tommy says to uh, Miss Morgan that Timmy is sick. And I was just thinking, like, you know, with how rough the t- the Tibbles play and how, like, dirty they probably get, I'm surprised that they're not sick more often. You know what I'm saying? I mean, getting that dirty would actually probably boost your immune system. Yeah, or um, maybe, you know, maybe... The, the constant exposure to, like, floor food and, and eating glue has probably, like, boosted their immune system to the point where they would have to get significantly sick to actually feel it at all. Oh, so you're saying they're, like, the healthiest kids in daycare. Exactly, exactly. But when they do get sick, watch out because it's like a brand new strain that's mutated purely to get past all of the blocks within the tibbles. 
And Timmy looks pretty sick when they when you like see him in bed. He's like bedridden and like. Well, it doesn't like, it doesn't help that Tommy stuffs him with the friggin' football. Yeah, I, I kind of hear he he really wangs that football off his head. <laughs> and he it like, just it's so morbid. It just kind of like bounces off. I don't know if you've ever had a football thrown straight at your head, but especially when you're not expecting it, it can be very jarring. Have you? Uh, oh yeah, buddy, gym class. Not paid attention. That's that's a that's a classic Lucas move is getting hit in the head with a football like a friggin' bull man. <laughs> Lucas Mancini Productions presents <laughs> man getting hit by football. Yoink. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it sounds pretty much like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So t- Timmy very sick, but DW and Emily are having fun playing with Tommy who. Without Timmy around, is kind of is, is he's he's a real I gotta say he's a he's a real wet blanket. Like he's it's like they hopped him up on Adderall. Yeah, he's like really <laughs> he's really down tuned and like sad and mopey. It's just like a lot of it is just it'd be better if Timmy was here. Like he's just like they they're having fun, but it's more just like they're not being assaulted all the time, and it's just like this is doesn't seem fun. It just seems better than anarchy. Um. DW comes up with the bright idea. Uh, let's t- instead of trying to fix the problem, she's like, "Let's take Tommy somewhere else where he's not going to think of Timmy all the time." Yeah, and uh, they take him to like a street fair. I, I will mention actually. So uh, there is a bit where they're in the Tibbles' backyard, and uh, Tommy tries to throw Timmy a cupcake through the window, and it. That's like, right. Hits the that's glass. right. I'm glad you brought that up because that is going to be very important. So yeah, they take them to they take Tommy to the street festival so he can kind of get his mind off Timmy. They go into like a bouncy castle, which uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I worked in with bouncy castles for a few years. Like I was, I, a, not, I don't think I ever knew this. I was a bounce attendant for a uh, uh, a local like party store slash like events uh, promotion, I guess. Now, and, as a as a licensed professional, yes. I have to ask you this question: uh, How old is Tommy? Tommy is uh, probably, if he's DW's age, he's four. And how old is Binky? He is double that age. <laughs> this is exactly my note. I wouldn't let Binky in a bouncy castle with those kids. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta let the kids have their time, and then let the older kids ha- like have a session with the older kids. Is Binky just... like a year older than Arthur? Even like, yeah, and he's yeah. big for his age. Like, yeah, yeah, because he he got left behind, so he's nine. <laughs> probably. So and, basically, uh, uh, Tommy's just kind of sadly sitting on the bouncy castle while Binky jumps around, making him bounce on his butt. Yeah, he's double bouncing him. The party foul there. So yeah, nothing seems to be working. But then DW decides that they could maybe help him feel better if they decide to be Timmy for him. In fact, DW uses the word tibble as a verb. So like, if they can tibble as well as Tom- as Timmy. And all that um, kind of stuff. I wrote that down as well. Uh, Tibble as a verb. The, just assuming the role of Timmy is basically challenging Tommy to, uh, like, I they go up to, like, Funhouse Mirrors and DW's like, I bet I can open my mouth wider than yours. So that's that's a lot of their life is kind of challenging each other to, uh, to, be, to be bigger, I suppose. Louder, all, more aggressive, all that kind of stuff. I, I love the... Uh the art of them making faces in the mirror. They look really funny. Like the way DW's heads like giant and they have the big mouth. It's just a cool style. 
it's a cool effect too. I imagine that it's not that easy to like take the existing model and then like stretch it out convincingly like a funhouse mirror. So that so they decide that you know you know it does help Tommy feel better. He does have a great day. They both they both kind of promise to do it together because it's hard it's hard for one person to take on that that burden of being the Tibble. So they do like this uh, this secret handshake. And it's like they'd lick their thumbs and touch them together. What do you think of that handshake? Uh, you know me too well, Will. I wrote down, ew. Oh, it, oh, it's a little too unsanitary for you? Yeah, not, not, not a fan. Don't like touching wet thumbs. Mm, uh, I do like how uh, being a Tibble, like, it's almost like the Tibble's, <laughs> it's like the one ring or something where only, like, it, it, it drains you. Like, only people who are able to handle it can <laughs> handle it. Like, unless you have the Tibble body... Uh, it's just too much mentally and physically. <laughs> and Emily comes up to DW is like, I could I could be a Tibble for a while. Share the load, the load, <laughs> the load. <laughs> That's a perfect description. Like because it does, like it physically wears on them to do that. Because, uh, you know they do all the physical games that the Tibbles like to do. So like, uh, playing airplane, uh knocking over the tower of cows and like but a lot of their games just about them a lot well, of we've, games... we've upgraded from airplane they buy by plane which is yeah. twice as better as plane plane uh right <laughs> that is a line from tommy or and a lot of their games just amount to them kind of screaming at each other like getting in their face and just screaming and then it starts to it, it you're right it is kind of like the one ring because it starts to infect dw's actual personality Oh so my like, god, this is so great! Before before we get to that, I do have to bring up when they're playing uh, plane uh, biplane. Yeah, um, DW has a great line where she starts to kind of fall under uh, Tommy's weight, and she yeah. goes, "May Day, Arbor Day, Earth Day." Yeah, Tommy says that as they're going, as they're losing altitude. Yeah, uh, at the dinner table at the re- at the Reed place, like Arthur drops a utensil and then like hits his head on the table and goes, "Ow!" And then DW automatically tibbles and goes, I can yell louder than that. Oh, they all all look at her and it's pretty funny. Yeah. The the timing of this is really funny. And like their shocked faces as they look at like, they're pretty used to DW being annoying. Just not this quite like this tipple esque brand of annoying. Yeah. Steal a a phrase from the show. There's like, again, there's a montage of them uh, doing everything that, Timmy would do with Tommy and just them getting progressively more and more just haggard and tired. And then by the end of it, DW uh, comes back home. She's dressed as a cowboy and she's like her, she's losing her voice because they've been playing cowboy for the last afternoon. And I love how we, we never get to see cowboy too. I love that. We only see the after effects of cowboy. The rest is left up to the imagination or like it, it it definitely involves DW being the horse and Tommy being the cowboy. So just Yet care. she still has a cowboy hat on. And again, kind of like in the last Tibble episode, DW kind of confides in Arthur that she's like she's really tired and although that it it is helping Tommy, like he, Tommy does feel a lot better. Uh it's it's really hard and it's like a, like a physical burden on them at this point. And Arthur kind of gives her advice and and says that well, you know, if if you re- if you really want to be there for him as a friend, you would uh, you know keep keep doing it no matter how hard it got. And DW is like, yeah, you're right, and I don't want to give up, but also I'm giving up. I quit. 
So unlike the last episode, DW hears Arthur out and then just decides to disregard his advice entirely, which I liked. Uh, so yeah, eventually the episode leads up to them just deciding that for the good of their health, DW and Emily can't be a Tibble anymore. So they get all set up. Quite literally, uh, I think it's DW who says we have to consider our health. Yeah. <laughs> no, in fact, I wrote that down. Uh, she says we have to consider our health. It's like they're a completely different animal. Which I wonder if is a slight uh, um, nod to the fact that the Tibbles were human in the original Arthur novelizations. Well, and they and they definitely are because, I, th- I mean, DW is an aardvark, Emily's a rabbit, and the Tibbles are like bears. So, you know, kind of a cute little wink at that as well. They do feel bad that uh, that they have to give up, but also just like cop to the fact that like, I'm just we're just too tired, we can't do this anymore. So they get all ready to tell Tommy this as they go to the Tibbles place, but then Timmy greets them because he's all better. But the shoe's on the other foot now, the Tibbles on the other twin, because uh, now Tommy is the one sick because, of course, he caught it from Timmy. And so now, and so now that they're down to one Tibble, that they realize that they uh, that they did do the right thing. T- Timmy mentions that he says this. This is kind of depressing. He says. Uh, uh, Tommy told you, told me how you guys uh, uh, played with him while I was sick. And he says, if you weren't here, he would have just cried all the time. Yeah, it's it's um, this little like speech from Timmy is actually kind of heartwarming because he's like, you guys, he said, you guys were like the best friends ever. Yeah. And they realized that they that they were doing the right thing. And then it almost quitting. They they feel bad that they almost did, even though I don't blame them for uh you know, thinking of thinking of their health, but uh, uh, yeah, they they were doing the right thing and just crying all the time. Tommy, been there, kid. So <laughs> I know what that feels like. And the episode ends with Timmy being very excited that they can play all the Tibble games that uh, he usually plays with Tommy. Now that Emily and DW are there, and DW just looks at Emily and goes, "I'll take the first shift." <laughs> and then it was sort of a, a story within a story. Not only is DW being a great friend to Timmy and Tommy, but she's also being a great friend to Emily because Emily's like, DW, you're a great friend for already <laughs> offering to take the first shift. The sin- like they're the, about to go back into war. The sincerity of Emily's line at the end is she just, thanks, you're a real friend. <laughs> it it's funny. like they treat hanging out with the Tibbles like it's Saigon. <laughs> like Da Nang or something. Every yeah. morning I wake up and I'm playing with the Tibbles. <laughs> the horror. <laughs> the horror. Uh, and that's the end of Double Tibble Trouble. <laughs> All right, kids. Uh, no word from us kids this week. And even if there was, I think at this, I think for this one, I'm willing to let it slide because here it is. It's the main event. We're talking about Arthur's almost live, not real music festival. Lucas, you knew exactly what this was when we when we announced what this episode was going to be on the on the last edition. I did. I and I remember almost every moment of this episode except for uh, a few songs here and there. Um, basically, what this episode is is there's a small story to basically explain the episode. And then it's a series of music videos, I think, for songs off the... You had the official Arthur CD, didn't you? As a matter of fact, I did. And these are all songs on it? Yes. Yes, they are. 
so basically, it's a series of music videos hosted by Arthur and Buster in their basement in a cardboard box. With a with a slight framing device. Uh, That's right. It starts off with DW hearing a weird noise somewhere in the house and trying to figure out what it is. Uh, you know, she she looks in different cupboards. She thinks it's maybe Pal's stomach that's making the noise. And then she eventually goes down to the basement where Arthur has set up a, uh, a giant cardboard box to look like a TV. And the sound it's actually is... it is a TV box. It's an Elbozonic box, which we know is the brand of Arthur's right. TV. Right. Uh, so that's a nice little piece of Arthur lore right there. Some consistency. And he has trained a camera onto Buster. And it's that doesn't actually... work. No, it's the camera is the camera doesn't work. And it turns out that Buster is the one making the noise. He's beatboxing. And it's not bad. Buster's yeah. pretty good at beatboxing. I wrote it. The song is called Hey, What's for Dinner? By and Buster, I wrote down, it slaps. By Buster Jam. <laughs> so uh, watch it. Buster J- You know what? Buster Jam kind of sounds like it, he, it could be on SoundCloud in 2018. Oh, with, my like, God. Like with that name. <laughs> I mean, if it was Lil Buster Jam, forget it. Well, there we go. That's like a different story. Mm. Um, I actually really liked this part of the opening. So like DW is trying to figure out exactly what they're doing because the camera doesn't work. It's not a real TV. Exclaims, why are you doing this? It's not real. As if she was Finn Balor. <laughs> is real. The real rock and roller. Buster Baxter. She's like, uh, Captain New Japan. Buster is. Uh, Buster says, "What's so great about about it being real?" Him and Arthur adopting a very "why not" attitude for uh, just doing these kind of uh, imaginary music videos. Because it's Arthur, like when uh, uh, bu- uh, SpongeBob was espousing the qualities of imagination, and uh, and Arthur even says, "You can like something even though it's not real." Because DW is just like, you know, none of this is real. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And then Arthur just implores her to close. If you close your eyes and imagine, you can see cool videos. Which is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. But I guess. I mean, they, I mean, they'd be cool to you because you're the one imagining them. Oh, not that they are cool. Uh, just that, like, you can close your eyes and see these. I, I, listen, it's been a while since I've used my imagination to that extent. But... Uh, I, I are we to assume that DW was closing her eyes and seeing these videos? I think so. It, it wow. could very well be implied. So yeah, th- so this is a little bit of it's definitely bucking the Arthur format because we don't really have a story to tell. It's just uh, how many do we have here? Uh, one, two, three, four, and then uh, uh, four, one four music- continued. Yeah, four music videos. Yeah, and 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 the main one is kind of broken up through through all of it. So I mean, let's just, let's just go let's just go to them one by one. Do you wanna do you wanna start with the headliner or do you wanna uh, maybe yeah? Save the- uh, let's go to the linear order because we can return to the last part of the headliner. So we start off with one of the most famous Arthur moments of all time. Uh, my first goodbye on this podcast ever. Uh, having fun isn't hard when you got a library card. Got a library card. 
something that surprised me right off the jump was that I remember the hook of the song, but I forget that I forgot that the instrumentation. This song's basically rap rock. Yeah, kinda because uh, it is. It is very like there's a lot of different instrumentation going on here. Um, now I, I will say, and this will become apparent near the end of the episode. Uh, I kind of I I, I want to comment more on the video itself, but Lucas, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, on the songs as we go through them too well for this song uh i wrote down that it's very the delivery and the prose uh it's very pokey rap-esque uh i half expect like arthur to start talking about articudo jake's nidorito beedrill haunter chancy pokemon um you know charmeleon war turtle mewtwo tentacruel aerodactyl arma knight slowpoke that's all folks um Good job. Good it's, job. it's a it's a very similar kind of delivery Alkazam, Doduo, Venonat, Macho, Kangaskhan, Hypno, Electabuzz, Flareon. You know, yeah, also, kind of if you were listening to this song through a wall very quietly, it almost, almost kind of sounds like that Bruno Mars Cardi B song. It might just be the drums, but still, I I think it's funny to compare them. Ooh, okay. I want to play that. <laughs> I, w- I want to play that back to back because I really like that song. That's just gonna make me sound silly <laughs> when you play it back to back. I'm sure it sounds nothing like it, but hey, I, I, I could be right. I'm not gonna do it here on the podcast just so that I can, you know, <laughs> d- d- so that this episode doesn't get taken down by Universal or anything like that. But uh, try that in your own spare time, kids. Uh, the so <laughs> the first thing I thought of was, of course, in this post Vine world, uh, one of the very few Arthur vines that I've seen in my time was uh, shots of this music video uh, with uh, the gang, 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 gang. <laughs> so can't not think of that. And of course the iconic, uh, surely you've seen this in gift form. If not, when you were a kid, how would you describe the dance move that's kind of done in line? Oh my goodness. It's very, again, like, if they came out with this song nowadays, like, if, let's say, what was Buster's rap name again? Uh, Buster Jam. If Buster Jam, like, I feel like Buster Jam actually could get, like, success as a SoundCloud rapper with, you know, your Playboy Cardis of the world popularizing the Millie Rock. Like, this song, all you gotta do is yell it a little bit more, and they could be the new Takashi 6 9 Like, Arthur with the sticky, ah, uh, ah, uh, with the blicky, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Like, uh, they're... This sort of choreographed dance, it, it's got whipping, it's got neighing, they're sort of just kind of all moving in synch- synchronized motion. Uh, it's very 2018. <laughs> uh, and the, the good thing about this being a music video is that the, uh, the animators can go as abstract and out there as they want to, and boy, do they. Now, uh, I will say, I will say, and this is a little bit of foreshadowing, mm-hmm. um, not every music video in this episode is made with all original animation. Um, some no. of them are completely made out of reused clips from previous episodes. So you could tell that the majority of the animation time went into this song and I believe the next song as well. Excuse me. And, and the next song as well. Yeah. Those are kind of near the, those are in the second half of the video there. Um, I wanted to just make this quick note. This is something that will come up in a later episode. Uh, so the, the line, Mr. Haney has a line where it's like they're talking about all the, all the different books that they're reading. And he says, confidentially, I'm reading Do- Go Dog Go, which is uh, maybe a slight hint at Mr. Haney's dyslexia that will, come up, that will come up later on. Uh, t- a topic off to, after my own heart. 
uh, if we're going into lines here, another weird line that I had to rewind to understand what was going on when uh, Mr. Rapper talks about how he's got a cool door knocker. Yeah. I was like, what did he just say? Because he says it so quickly to make it, it's kind of a slant rhyme. Uh, yeah. It's like a cool door knocker. I'm like, what? Wait, what? And then he's got like this weird device with Mr. Rapper's head on it. Um, and of course, I think from this, this is basically having fun is it hard part one. There's a part two at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the highlight of the first part is uh, Binky, Binky's line about how he likes reading books with lots of pretty flowers. And then the song kind of, the, the beat kind of stops and he goes a cappella saying, Beat crushed by a giant pterodactyl. And there's a there's a big metal riff at the end there. Um, something I thought of uh, while this might be an American thing again, American listeners, do your library cards have photo IDs? Because ours don't, and they never and they never have. Oh, Arthur, Ar- Ar- Arthur's library card has his photo on it, but all I've ever had to do is just write a signature. I don't think it's a, a American thing. I think it might be different province by province because it's a provincial government thing. Okay. Uh, actually, it might even be. I think it might be a municipal government thing. Oh uh, right! Oh right! Because, because your mom works in the library. Yeah, so my mom works in the library. Though this is kind of embarrassing. Even though my mom works in the library, I do not have a library card because I just get my mom to bring stuff. Oh, uh, so uh, I, I'm actually less of an expert than you might think. But I think it, it's a municipal thing because you have like a Halifax, where we're from, library card. Whereas if you're in like a different city, you have like a Montreal library card, or mm-hmm. it's, so I think it's different rules depending on the city. Okay. Uh, this uh, the first music video ends with like a big group shot, kind of like that big Simpsons poster of all the characters, of everybody saying having fun. And I noticed that Bionic Bunny made it into the uh, into the group shot, as well as the kids from Glenbrook. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's fun. Uh, so then that that leads us to the second music video, which is uh, centered on the brain. It's Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde. Jekyll, Hyde, Hyde, Jekyll. Because I was Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Hyde, Hyde, Jekyll. Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Hyde. Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Hyde, Hyde, Jekyll. Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Hyde. So, okay, story time with Lucas. Oh. I used to hate this Arthur episode when I was a little kid because this part scared me so much i would literally change the channel and then keep flicking back until this song was over i was horrified for some reason when i was a little kid the scariest thing in the world in fiction was when things like turned into other things so some other examples the arc in spider-man where spider-man has the symbiote suit and it makes him kind of evil uh the part in superman 3 where that lady turns into a robot uh, the episode of Goosebumps where the mask gets stuck to that guy and he starts to turn evil. That kind of thing like gave me severe nightmares as a kid. I had multiple, multiple nightmares about this Jekyll Hyde song, which it seems so silly watching it now because it's so tame, but it's still kind of messed up. Like, there's this, this song does not have a happy ending. Uh, any point where it's like, okay, Braid's about to get redemption ends with him not getting redemption and just going down further and further down this dark spiral. It's pretty freaky. It's, uh, you know what? That doesn't surprise me at all. I don't think it scared me when I was a kid, but man, uh, body horror is back. Oh, especially, so the scariest part of this whole thing is at the start when he first drinks the potion. Oh, I guess we should set this up. So, Brain, he buys the, no, but he borrows Borrows. the Jekyll and Hyde book from the library. It inspires him to create a potion of his own. 
uh, and when he drinks it, his head like morphs into all these different animals very quickly. It's it's well, extremely it freaky. Well, we should note it doesn't inspire him. It he has a dream that he creates these. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and he goes through like this transformation while he's turning into Mister Hyde, and it's like his brain turns into like worms, and then into a bird, and then into a fish. It's like it's it's weird, and but I I I mean I dig it, but it's just like how did you think of that? Yeah, it's almost something out of like Super Jail or something like that. Yeah, something yeah something really abstract and and out there, uh, and of course uh, when- talk, talking about the music of this song. Uh, before we get further into the video, uh, this one's more of like a rock opera tune. Yes. So like something kind of Rocky Horror Picture Show-esque, especially with the uh, the chorus, the Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde, Jekyll, Hyde, Hyde, Jekyll, with all the backup singers. It sounds very rock opera-y. And yeah, ro- uh, Brain's performance is very Broadway. Like the, the, the in-between verses uh, are, have a very Broadway delivery, deliberately excuse me, they have a, a very Broadway vibe where he's sort of, it's very sing-songy, but he's speaking so clearly and concisely that you can hear every word. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about that, but that totally fits. A- absolutely. Um, yeah, now that you mention it, it reminds me a little bit of like a meatloaf song. Yeah, oh, uh, so that's, the other thing is like, the when the chorus comes in and there's female vocals and male vocals singing the chorus with brain, I totally was thinking of like a meatloaf song. That's a great observation. I'm glad you said that. I think you're ab- you're totally right on the money. A visual thing here, uh, so like in his dream as Mr. Hyde, he, like he eats all this like disgusting, uh, like all this disgusting uh, combinations of food. He's at like the sugar bowl eating like spaghetti and ham and ice cream. And uh, he, there's a line about him eating eyes. And in fact, on his plate of food is eyeballs. And I'm like, when did the sugar bowl start? Where where did the sugar bowl get those eyeballs? It's just freaky. It freaks me out. It is. It's it's pretty intense for a kids show. Like I I don't blame you at all for being intimidated by this. Brain so, like brains brains design as Mister Hyde is like his got green skin. He's got a big eye. Uh, he's dr- he's dressed again like uh, the first outfit you get in Bloodborne because I've been replaying that. <laughs> He, look, um, he looks like a hunter. So Brain sort of has another nightmare where he's at school. He says he himself describes this one as really weird. Yeah. Um, and they're giving test answers in semaphore, which is like flag code. Yes. Naval it's like, it's flag like na- code. It's like nautical flag code. <laughs> uh, and also you get extra points for growing a beard, and he just couldn't take it anymore, and so he drinks the potion again. It just kind of wiles out. Uh, you know, you know, something that's strange is that the image of Buster sitting in his seat, like he momentarily like strains and concentrates and then gets a bit of five o'clock stubble. That image has always stuck with me and I don't know why it's, uh, it's hard to explain, but just him like sitting there and then suddenly willing himself to grow a beard. Like every once in a while, like I just kind of do that. I'm just like, ah, it doesn't work. So. Can't really explain that myself. And I was also thinking, so whenever Brain drinks the, the the potion, he drinks it out of like a big glass beaker or something, and then he immediately smashes it. Does he always have to break it? Yeah, it's like Buckfast. The whole point of the glass bottle is that you can smash it right after you finish. Or is like that... a 40 of malt liquor. <laughs> Do you smash 40s after you, after you drink them? Well, Will, if we're getting technical here, you cannot buy 40s of malt liquor in uh, 
in the province of Nova Scotia due to liquor laws. Uh, but in the times I have drank it a 40, uh, I most certainly smash it immediately. It reminds me of that John Mulaney uh, bit. About he's talking about how he's drinking a forty at the house party, and when the police arrive, he smashes it on the ground and goes scatter. <laughs> uh, yeah. So brain keep, brain keeps doing these uh these bad things as Mister Hyde. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the the dance that this one has? So when we do the chorus, Jekyll Jekyll Hyde, Jekyll Hyde Hyde Jekyll. So it's brain doing this dance, and he turns back into. Uh, himself and his hide variation when he gets to the lyrics. The the dance that he does kind of reminds me of... Uh, Do you ever see the anime Haruhi Suzumiya? Yeah, you're, you're saying it reminds you of the hair hair yukai dance? Yeah, a little bit. It's not that involved. It's not as involved <laughs> as Hari Hari Yukai, but it kind of reminds me of... It's like got a few steps to it and like arm flails and stuff. I wonder, are we going to see a bunch of cringe compilations of people attempting the Jekyll Jekyll High dance? You know, I've always, you know, I've always wanted to try the Hari Hari Yukai, but uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I won't, since I didn't know there were cringe compilations. Well, uh, let me tell you something, dear losers, because I'm wondered. I could dish it out, but I could take it too. I'll let you in on a little secret. There was a time in my young life where I had that dance memorized. Uh, but I'm older and I'll, I'll say wiser now. And that information has since left my head. You know, next time, next time we get together for like a commentary or something, we'll, we'll try out the Jekyll Jekyll high. That's got, uh, that's got all, it's way simpler and we'll see We'll see how that goes. All right. Um, and at anyway, the end- there's a, the big twist ending of yeah. this episode again, adds to how f- scary it is because he gets ready to, Get rid of the potion. He doesn't want to be Mr. Hyde anymore. He's sort of sleep-deprived, staring into the mirror with, like, bags under his eyes because he's not sleeping, I guess, because he's just Hyde whenever it's nighttime. Yeah. And he throws the potion away, uh, but he keeps changing into Dr. Jekyll anyway. Yeah, and then, and then at the end— evil and, forever. And then at the end, it turns out that it was real all along. He's awake and tries to return the book, like you said— and then he turns into Mr. Hyde. I'm like, oh no, it was real. It's like it's like the ending of a of a scare your pants off book. So so I mean, we have we haven't really done any value judgments about the uh, about the songs yet. Uh, between Library Card and Jekyll Jekyll Hyde, uh, what what did you kind of think of the two of them quality wise? Uh, well, I'll say this about the videos. Um, so both of these are the ones with the most new animation. Specifically, I don't think there's any reused animation in. Uh, Jekyll, Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Uh, at least if there is, I didn't notice it. So no, that's no. really cool that they animated this whole original video for it. No, there isn't. The first two music videos are entirely original animation, and the se- and the second two are all reused footage. Uh, but I will say, like, it's, it's not like I'm going to listen to either of these songs uh, outside of being, like, a novelty. Uh, but I am more of a hip-hop fan myself, so I think I'd prefer uh, Having Fun Isn't Hard. Though, I will say, the chorus of Jekyll, Jekyll, Mr. High, again, with all those backup singers, pretty much slaps. Cool. Uh, the third one is one of the uh, the kind of edited-together music videos. It's to the song Leftovers Goulash, which is Arthur, DW, and their dad talking about... Uh, his cooking. What'd you think of this song, Lucas? There are so many things to make a custard soup, a liver cake, a curry pie with prunes and squash. How about leftovers goulash? Hey! 
I wrote down, is this song written by one Will Young? Because the Arthur DW parts are about how gross all the things they've eaten in Arthur are. And it immediately made me, th- it immediately made me think of you. Uh, the other thing I wrote down is that Arthur's voice, he's kind of just yelling. He's barely even singing. But I was really surprised by uh, Arthur's dad's voice actor has a really solid voice. That would be one Bruce Dinsmore. I was really impressed with Bruce Dinsmore's singing voice. It's quite the performance. And I'm, you know what? Believe it or not, next week going to be talking a lot about Bruce Dinsmore's voice. But yeah, I agree. Uh, I think I think that he's uh, I think that he sounds really good. Um, and and yeah, it I I put down here as a note. So there wasn't much to say about the music videos because as we said, we've kind of seen this all before. But it's interesting to kind of put all of these clips back to back of all the different animators work throughout the first three seasons and just kind of compare and contrast. I thought you were going to say it's crazy to see how much, just how much I know we, one of our, it's, it's basically an old standby up with the animal hierarchy at this point of whatever they mention a gross food. We're going to argue about it. Uh, but I was surprised just how much gross food has been spotlighted <laughs> on Arthur thus far. Like they never ran out of footage. It's just like quick cut back to back to back. Gross food, gross food, gross food. Okay. All right, I want to I want to play a little game with you here, Lucas. So I'm pretty sure I can remember all of the foods that Dad mentions by like that he describes. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what they are, and then you're gonna tell me if you would like if you think they're gross or if you'd give them a try. All right. All right. Yay or nay? Let's do it. Okay. So the first one that I can think of is a jellied fish, a jellyfish inside a beet. Uh, don't know what jellyfish takes li- tastes like, but I mean, seafood's often garnished with uh, vegetables, so I'd give it a shot. Wow, I didn't expect that answer. All right, garlic eels. I, same answer as the last one. Really? That sounds that sounds just fine. All right, uh, a custard soup. I mean, a dessert soup. As long as it's not like savory, like a soup. I mean, if there's dessert pizzas, a custard soup, it, I see nothing wrong with this. A liver cake. Okay, so liver cakes pushing the boundaries. I, this might be the first word I say no to. I, I, I can't see myself being a big fan of liver cake. Any sort of meat cake uh, just sounds a little odd to me. A curry pie with prunes and squash. See, curry pie with sw- squash? That sounds downright fantastic. It's the prunes that are the real X factor that kind of ruin that whole ensemble. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna also uh, not eat that one as well. But a curry pie with squash, hey, a, one savory pies, delicious. Curry, delicious, and squash always a fun garnish. Kidney hash, how about that? Oh, easy. Yes, absolutely. I'd have kidney hash. That you know what that actually. I'm sure there's someone eating kidney hash somewhere right now. Okay, what about this? This isn't so much a thi- this isn't so much like a specific food item, but at one point he speaks positively of adding brains and feet to a dish. Uh, so that's like kind of like a cultural thing. Um, like a lot of cultures will eat braids and feet specifically like people speak highly of pig's feet. Me, I'm not so much of a fan, especially if it's not ground up. So if I can still see it was a foot of something that kind of grosses me out. Uh, so would not eat feet unless it was properly ground up. So it wasn't recognizable as feet. 
Uh, as far as brains go, I hate to be close-minded, uh, but I don't really like the texture of brains or what I understand it to be. Mm. So I'd probably say no to brains, though I know a lot of different cultures eat animal brains. I mean, listen, Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom. I'm just kidding. That movie's highly inaccurate, yeah. but still. Squid on toast. I don't really like squid, so I'd probably say no to the squid on toast. All right. A rhubarb roast. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Rhubarb roast? Oh, my God. Like a, like a meat roast with some rhubarb on top? Oof. Yeah, for sure. People put, like, pineapple on roast, so, like, rhubarb is fine. And finally, tofu stew with extra goo. I've... I've had that, like, this month, so what, what, we're what, all good. Even with the extra goo? I mean, define extra goo. I can't. That's that's all you got, so interpret it as you will. <laughs> I, sure. Let's, let's go with yes. So what I've discovered from this episode is that Lucas Mancini is the eternal food optimist. Well, I, listen, I was a really picky eater when I was a kid, and mm. I've sort of tried to change my ways as an adult and keep my mind open. I'll try just about anything. <laughs> wow. I'm very impressed. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, he, Lucas Mancini would definitely hire Arthur's dad for his next uh, for his next engagement. Will, I'd love for you to give your girlfriend this exact same quiz. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah, I wonder how that would turn out. Uh, Spoiler alert, my girlfriend is a very picky eater, and I'm just going to answer for her. It's a hard no for all of them. For me, it's a hard to, it's a hard, it's a soft no to a maybe. Is there maybe the tofu stew with extra goo? Uh, No, probably the rhubarb roast. You made a very compelling argument for the (laughs) rhubarb roast. (laughs) So thank you for indulging me with that. Anything more about leftovers goulash before we move on? Uh, no, uh, the fact that they kept, like, uh, one of my favorite things in these songs, this is going to come back later with the final song, but mm. when they have, like, a running joke that goes through them, uh, their constant me- mention of Leftovers Goulash uh, was pretty funny. Okay. The final song is Homework, which is sung by none other than Mr. Ratburn. And this is y- by far, musically, my favorite song of the episode. I agree. This is my favorite song of the episode, too. Just a little homework tonight. 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 Uh, it sounds like a Rockefellers song. <laughs> if, if you don't know, the Rockefellers are the guys that performed the Carbon San Diego intro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's it's like this. It, it really must be heard to be believed. Another great part, my favorite part of the song is that Buster has basically the the offset or takeoff role of uh, doing all the ad libs for this song. Uh, so, <laughs> Buster sort of chirps <laughs> chirps up uh, uh, like. When Mr. Rappert says, class, I have a surprise for you. I have a reward. Buster's like, I hope it's ice cream. Almost his version of going, mama. <laughs> I got some. Lit. I got some homework for you. Homework. Homework. Read 19 uh, chapters the, of history. 19. Uh, there's another part where uh, uh, 
where Buster, where uh, uh, when Miss Rapper says just a little homework, and Buster chirps up with, "That's a lot of homework." Yeah, that's a lot of homework. There's also a, there's a breakdown at the end where Buster sort of takes over and he's like, "I think I'm gonna die! I think I'm gonna die! He's gonna perish from homework, doing too much homework." Yeah, this is a this is a great song, and the vi- the so video yeah. the video is re is reused from the previous season, so nothing to really say there. Yeah, I, you know what? I think it shows just how it's a testament to just how good this song is that the video is completely reused footage. But I was still through fully entertained. It's this, again, like I said before, of all the songs in this episode, this is the one I'd be most likely to listen to again outside the context of this episode. Yeah, maybe but- it's just because I really like the Rockefellers. That Carmen San Diego theme. Hey, you should look that theme up. It slaps. But this B- song's also very good. Big time. Uh, yeah, and then we go back for the redux of, uh, Library Card. That's right, Library Card Part 2. Uh, th- I mean, the video gets a lot crazier. Like, this library kind of gets into a state of disarray. Uh, they throw in everything, including the kitchen sink here, with boats and dinosaurs and anything that's ever been in a book ever. Uh, and then, like I said, there is a running joke where... They talk about the Dewey Decimal System, and uh, DW sort of keeps popping up asking who, ignoring the song completely at this point, and just asking to no avail, who is Dewey? Yeah, and I mean, I I want to steal your Quavo joke, but uh, it's too good. I want to leave you with the credit for that one. So it's kind of like the, a little bit like the Flavor Flav popping up, just like instead of saying, yeah, boy, she's saying, who's Dewey? Who's Dewey? <laughs> so whether or not, like even like even at a point where it's like off off beat off melody from the music. Anything else to say about um about library card? Uh, no. There's just a really lovely again. It, a little animation goes a long way because this one's all original animation. There's a really crazy. There, there's a great part at the end where just all of these random objects throughout history and time are sort of going across the screen at such a rapid pace it was impossible to write them all down yeah. i really really enjoyed that part of the song and then yeah we get we get back to arthur buster and dw in the basement and dw is uh still not exactly not exactly buying it but at least she kind of understands what they're going for and then gets in a final uh by the way who's dewey question okay so now it's time to figure out how we felt about those episodes. So let's rewind it back to, to double tibble trouble. How was that? How did that one treat you? Well, double dip tibble trouble is really done a disservice by being matched up with this episode. I think mm. the whole time, whether I enjoyed it or not, I was sort of just looking forward to watching the next episode. So my mind kind of wandered. Uh, I will say I did like the deep explanations of the tibbles lore. Uh, I like sort of, again the kind of frodo samwise mentality of dw and emily sharing the burden uh that was it was fun to see them play off each other and have this shared experience of like oh this tibble lifestyle it just it's so hard uh there was some fun lines here and there uh the may day arbor day earth day plain plain um it's like they're a different animal we have to consider our health all that stuff uh, but besides that, it's kind of a, a, a very middle-of-the-road episode, not one I'm likely to return to anytime soon. Again, not 
unenjoyable, uh, but not particularly stand out. You know, at the time, I kind of agreed with you when I was watching it. It didn't leave that much of an impression on me. But admittedly, talking about it kind of improved it a little bit for me. Um, I like this one. It's uh, I, I, I find I found it very funny. It was it, like it was. Yeah. A, the, it, the highlight is when Arthur hits his head and DW yells. And then when they're at the dinner table, Andy W is like, I can yell louder than you can. Uh, that part is like the high, the really high point comedically of the episode for me. And I I liked the um, I liked the kind of the oh, kind sorry, of question. Well, the police are coming for you. They're gonna take you away for liking this episode. Just a second. <laughs> okay, they're gone. <laughs> I liked the question it asked of uh, or not that it asked. It just kind of like D.W. and Emily kind of fretting with the uh, you know, are we doing the right thing? by saying, like, we can't do it anymore, even though our friend really needs us. Like, that's something that you ask yourself when you're, like, my age or older. Mm. Uh, so I th- they didn't really, like, it, they, I don't think they really, they, it, in fact, definitively didn't answer it. But it was an interesting question to kind of bring up and kind of made me think about it a little bit. So I I, yeah, I, I can kind of see what you mean by middle of the road, but I think personally I liked it just a little a little bit more than that. Now, the the feedback we've been getting for... A long time, really, Uh, you know, ever since people have been talking about, like, Arthur's Almost Live Not Real Music Festival is that most people kind of find it a little bit overrated. And I guess what that means to people is that, like, this is kind of a huge talking point of the, and there are a lot of quotes here, Arthur Discourse. There's a lot of, like, this dominates people's memories of Arthur. It's the library card song. To a certain degree, it's Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde. And it's it's like the music and the music videos like it it it's a big part of Arthur's identity within people of our age group, uh, but when you get into the nuts and bolts of the episode, I guess I can see why people might find it disappointing and that like it's not telling a story, it's not really doing anything. But to be very honest, I don't agree. I think this is really great. I like the break from form. I think the newly animated episodes uh, or the newly animated segments are incredibly creative and imaginative and and wild, for lack of a better term. Like, they really go places that they can't normally because Arthur is generally constrained by... it's allowed to be a little bit out there, but it's not allowed to be, like, to go this this hard uh, into the, the strange places it goes to. Uh, I think the songs are fun enough, and uh, you know I genuinely like homework. I might be looking that up in iTunes right after this. Uh, to be yeah, honest with you, yeah, uh, homework definitely. Like you said, people talk about uh, library card and and Jekyll Jekyll Hyde a lot, but people are sleeping on that homework song. Yeah, and I and I mean I guess in terms of just figuring out its its place in in our culture, I think it's just like the combination of. Uh, just the combination of the aesthetic of Arthur and the musical styles that I think that they did very well, uh, it leads to something very memorable. And I would probably say this is one of my favorite episodes of the season. Uh, I also enjoyed the episode. I mean, I'm not going to have the most objective opinion because I'm the kind of guy that just watches music videos for fun when I'm bored. So I get a huge kick out of music videos. And I always appreciate the uh, uh, sort of breaking the form, like you said, uh, I will say I was disappointed by the songs that are the videos completely made up of reused footage. Uh, it works for the uh, the song about food with Arthur's dad just because 
they sort of use footage that hasn't been referenced before in Arthur. It's just all these close-ups of gross food. Uh, and I think the way they time it to the music actually works fairly well, almost to the point where I, I almost didn't notice that it was all reused. Um, it works less well in homework, but I think the quality of the song makes up for it, but I would have preferred to have an original video, especially with, like, Buster singing his ad-libs and kind of popping in behind Mr. Rapper. I think that could have been a really funny visual gag, because it works so well as an audio gag. Um, and I will say that it might just be because it's overplayed, uh, but, uh, Library Card is a little bit, it's so genuine that it's almost a little bit corny. Almost, but I still get a kick out of it. Uh, it's it's about as corny as the pokey rap is, and everybody knows that the pokey rap's awesome. So I guess it's just awesome. Uh, but one thing you cannot say this episode is is boring. Whether you like it or whether you hate it, you've probably seen it, and there's a reason for that. Just something about music mixed with Arthur's visuals is incredibly memorable. If they did a bunch of episodes like this, it would be terrible. But because there's only one. Uh, it's fun. Also, the framing device is extra cool. Uh, they didn't have to do that, and so it's fun that they kind of couch the episode in sort of this playtime session with Arthur and Buster. Uh, I share your disappointment in the in the second two music videos. I wish that those could have been original. Uh, but yeah, uh, all the same, I'm glad that this I'm glad that this to a degree uh, held up for us. And even the corny parts, the cheesy parts, I still think add to the charm for me personally. Uh, and I think that if, if it's something you haven't seen in a long time, I definitely recommend that you give this a watch. In fact, I hope that you watched it before uh, we kind of talked about it. But if you haven't, do, go back go back and, and just pop that in for some for 10 minutes of fun there. And, uh, and hey, I would recommend uh, Double Tibble Trouble as well. So, hey, 22 minutes of fun even. So check it out. Well, there you have it, Lucas. We finally got around to it. It's one I've been waiting to do. Yeah, I mean, but what's actually great to think about is that there's so much more to look forward to, especially that email we got at the start of the show. Now I'm thinking about, you know, the the saga of Confuse the Goose coming up, uh, the blizzard, of course. So even though we have this huge episode now behind us, still lots of fun to come. Oh, you don't know the half of it. We'll get to that in just a second. Thanks a lot for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. If you've if you've got the song in your head, whether it's Jekyll, Jekyll, Hyde, or Library Card, I do apologize, but also you're welcome. Uh, if you want to reach out and contact us, you can do that. We are on social media. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Go on over there. Give us a like, uh, just like our new friend did. Shout out to everybody uh, at Muldoon's Pub, which is the official uh, We Hate Movies Facebook group. That would be Connor. Uh, thank you very much for finding us over there and giving us a like. Uh, on Twitter, we are at ECL Podcast, close to 150 followers. On Tumblr, we are Tumblr. We are ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. If you want to be like one of our great listeners who sent us an email this week, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And, of course, you can find the podcast on Apple Music on Google Play and at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N. And if there's any other places you want us to be, please don't hesitate to let us know. So, Lucas, next week, and I can say next week because I know for sure this episode will be coming out, uh, you get to take five for a little bit because we're not done with the Arthur music. I've been, I've been promising this for weeks and weeks and weeks, and you guys have been very patient, and I thank you for that. Next week... I invited back requested guest Jordan Taylor 
You may know him from YouTube. Jordan and I sat down and we talked about these songs in this episode. You may have been wondering why I was kind of not really getting into my opinion on the music itself because we did a whole podcast of that. Jordan Taylor and I next week talking Arthur and Friends, the first almost real, not live CD. So you, so exclusive. You, so you, so you can get ready for that, Lucas. You may want to tune in, see what the rest of the CD slash audio tape is like. Do the songs, the B sides, the deep cuts, the remixes. You know it, man. And I mean, I think this is on vinyl too. I think I saw a listing for this on vinyl. We get into it all next week. I'm happy to welcome Jordan Taylor back to the show, and I know you guys will be too. And I'll give you a little preview, Lucas, the next time you and I are going to be talking about Arthur. We're moving on through Season 3 with What Scared Sue Ellen and Clarissa is Cracked. I mean, I agree with that. Never before has an Arthur episode's title been a statement I so agree with. Clarissa, she is indeed cracked. So you get a little little bit of a break, and then we'll be back after that. You get to let this episode sink in. You get to get to stew on those jams for a little bit longer. Um, is it going to be a stew with extra goo? Tofu stew? Tofu stew with extra goo? What's in the extra goo? We got to We got to We got to We got to get. That's the next thing. We no no more animal hierarchy. No more. Um, where is Elwood City? I mean, that's just kind of a. That's a main objective. New side objective. What's what's in the extra goo? I assume some sort of puree. Yeah, it's gotta be. My name's Will Young. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, loyal listeners. For Lucas Mancini. Having fun isn't hard when you got a library card. Ah, you stole it right from under me. But you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. See you guys, and have fun. Having fun isn't hard. Yeah, man, is a doctor. Quick maths. My favorite. So we, uh, at working at the cafe, uh, a lot of times people will ask for sandwiches with no sauce. Okay. And my lizard brain immediately goes, "Oh, ketchup, no sauce." <laughs> the one I always remember is, um, I, I forget even what comes before, but just the some some quick maths. Because always oh, one plus one is two. Quick maths. Quick maths. Because because uh, I'm just tickled by how British people call it maths. Like, plural. Uh, man's never perspiratin' is another good thing that he says. Yeah. Man's never perspiratin'. Um, <laughs> okay. I haven't thought about that.